Welcome back, everybody. It's Jack Graham and John Peterson with another We Talk Photo podcast, which is always also can be seen on YouTube. For those of you who are listening, you flip over to YouTube, it'll be there, and you can see uh, that moon over John's head. Yeah. And uh, mountains in back of me. And the moon with over us the moon. Today, yeah, yeah, it matches. <laughs> with us today is, uh, you know, we're, John, we're so lucky to have, you know, in the last few podcasts, some really great people. Yeah. And today um, is we're with uh, uh, David Dushman from the uh, from Van- the Vancouver area. We'll get David to tell us exactly where he is. Maybe he is. David, thank you for being here. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a it's a real pleasure. Thank you both. Do you want to tell everybody where you are, or maybe you want to not? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in uh, I'm in a beautiful little town called Nanus Bay. Uh, just about halfway up Vancouver Island. Uh, I am due west of Vancouver City by about a 20-minute float plane ride. Oh, wonderful. A float plane? So do you, can you drive there or do you have to fly there? No, there's. I mean, Vancouver Island is a pretty, pretty big island. Um, there are ferries that you can take, take your car across. Good for you. Good for you. You know, living in a great area, it's really conducive, I think, to a healthy healthy life you know um i i lived i grew up in and around new york city and man if i ever go back there again it's gonna be too soon but you know <laughs> so, some of these little places have great names like where you live i think it's really conducive to, to being creative and, and that's kind of what we want to talk about i think today um sure for those of us who don't know david i will get david to do a really short little bio um I'll make it really quick. He writes great books, and folks, just buy them all. I've got, I think, I don't know how many books you have. I have four or five of them. And I've read them. And, you got about a third of you got about a third of them then. Yeah, yeah. Well, just, Jack, just, Jack, beyond that, he uh, takes great photographs. Yeah, well, he's more than just a writer. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But, you know what? If you have the ability to write, it's also a great way to share your knowledge which david is as good as it gets in that david um maybe the cliff note little bio yeah i i've been photographing for uh over 35 years picked up a camera when i was 14 and never looked back um i had a brief career well 12 years as a, as a comedian and um but always photographing and then one day just decided it was time to get more serious about my photography and switched gears dramatically and became a humanitarian photographer and was photographing for international organizations in places like Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, Rwanda, Haiti, um, uh, often sort of in the aftermath of atrocities and that sort of thing. And, um, and and so I did that for many years, always with the intention that I, I would contribute something back to the to the world, uh, but also wanting to teach because photography has always been uh, the medium that made sense to me. And uh, so I have also been very intentionally a teacher. I didn't do it because that was, you know, uh, they say those that don't teach. Um, and I, I just love the teaching. It's not something that I do because uh, that's where the money is. Uh, though happily, uh, it also is, and, and primarily now, 
so I had an accident 12 years ago uh, in which I shattered both my feet. That took me um, away from the humanitarian photography. And, that was in, in uh, Italy, if I remember right, correct? That was, that's right. That was in yeah. Italy. And, uh, uh, and so now mostly I... Uh, <laughs> because I, I don't know if I'm getting fed up with people or I just need a break, but my, uh, and COVID played a big part in it. My photography has drifted significantly toward um, adventures rather than rough and tumble places. Um, photographing humanity, I'm now photographing wildlife uh, and focusing on big things, sharks, whales, uh, bears, and uh, lions and, and apex predators, that sort of thing. So uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And my day-to-day creative life is split pretty evenly between making photographs and writing. Um, though these days when I'm not getting out, it's uh, it's more in the writing. Well, you've recently had a major life change. S- significant, yeah. yeah you, you could say that. And when people look at you here and see how healthy you look, and how 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 you smile and your attitude. Why don't you tell people, you know, what went on here, and let let them know that man, nothing's the end of the world. Correct. Nothing is. Not you know what we, uh, as Nietzsche says, you know, uh, what doesn't kill us gives us something to blog about. And uh, I, uh, I I think that's what he said. I, I might be getting it wrong, but. You know, it gives us, it, yeah, it gives us a story, you know, and uh, we are so resilient. We make it through everything uh, until the thing that we don't make it through. And then, you know, we're not around to worry about it. So, uh, yeah. So I mentioned the 12 year, uh, the accident I had 12 years ago. I guess it's going on 13. Um, and uh, I shattered both my feet and, and one of the feet recovered really well. And the other foot did not do uh as well and i had some revision surgeries and uh, the arthritis kind of set in and eventually my surgeon said well, well this is kind of you know so i said this is i, I it was like I felt like i was returning it to costco i was like this doesn't work anymore i want a <laughs> different one and she said you know this is as good as it gets for for you for now and i i've never been good at settling um so i said well you know are there are there more dramatic uh, alternatives. And so I started researching uh, prostheses and uh, artificial legs, feet, that sort of thing. And eventually said, you know what, um, I'd like you to take it off. So Ju- June, what is it now? It's it's July 10. On June 5th, uh, I, had, I went in for surgery and had the foot removed. Um, I've learned that amputation is a big, scary word to people. There's no like easy way to ease people mm-hmm. into the conversation. But um, in fact, my FedEx lady came to the door with uh, a set of crutches and said, oh, I, I hope nobody needs these. And without thinking, I just said, well, I'm, I'm going in to have my foot amputated. And her eyes filled up with tears. <laughs> and I had, had to go to my wife later and be like, you know what? I, I think I broke our FedEx lady. Yeah. Um, and that was when I learned I maybe I need to approach this topic a little more uh, graciously uh, or gracefully. And uh, so anyway, I had the amputation surgery on June 5th. And uh, four days later, they sent sent me home, kicked me out the door and said, go home, heal up. And on July 5th, I was fitted for my first prosthetic leg and foot. And it's a bit of a learning curve. I got to tell you, it's not uh, it is not for the faint of heart. I'm still on crutches and will be for a while. Uh, it's uh, the phantom pain that 
they talk about with amputation is uh, I'm here to tell you it is a very real thing. Um, very surreal. It's incredibly specific. So right now I feel like I've got someone sticking me with a knife in my big toe. Like I know exactly where it is. Um, most often there's like, it feels like an electric, like someone's tasering, tasing my foot. Um, but you, you know, you look down and you're like, well, it's, 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 there is no foot. It's not like, it's not, it's the day after the surgery. I remember having this persistent itch on the bottom of a foot that I no longer had. Um, very, uh, very distracting, very surreal, um, and and you know really like not it's it's not all in your head it's it's in your mind it's i equate it to like your brain my brain is calling making phone calls to my foot and my foot's not answering and so it's just leaving this uh increasingly hostile series of text messages <laughs> or you know voice messages uh but it's it's fading it's fading once i got my prosthetic uh foot uh i think my brain started to kind of make a little bit more sense of it yeah, it'll, um, it'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, for most people it does. And uh, also for most people, every now and then, you know, I'll be sitting and I'll be talking and, and I'll get a real zinger and I, I feel like I've feel like i got Tourette's or something. I just all of a sudden, I go, this is not going to be well for like when I'm public speaking and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I, it, I've got time set aside and I will figure this out. And eventually I, mean, I asked my surgeon before she did it. I said, if, if it were you, would you, what choice, you know? And she said, yeah, if it was this and there were a couple alternatives, she said, I would, I would have the foot amputated. She said, you know, with a good prosthesis, uh, you can be more active than you've been in years. So I'll be hiking and running and, you know, doing my thing in no time. It'll take a, a little bit of time. Uh, You've already got things there. scheduled for next year, I, I'm guessing. Yeah, I've got things scheduled for September. But, um, you know, I I, uh, I I figure if I have to, I'll, I'll use my crutches. And I've got friends that are perfectly willing to piggyback me if I need to. So <laughs> we'll fi- we'll figure it out. It, you know, it, it's, it's – I mean, life – life deals you cards right and this one is a card that i kind of chose based on you know some of the other cards i'd been dealt but but everyone's got something everyone's got something that can either be uh a channel for their creativity or uh an excuse or a reason just to give up and go sit on the couch and i don't know life seems pretty short and there seems to be a lot of really interesting things still to do so uh, I, I choose, you know, the alternative to the couch, whatever. And that's harder. It's harder to, to kind of push through the, the mental stuff. And, but this, I mean, that's like, that's what making photographs is, right? I mean, we have these, we have so many constraints. We have all kinds of things that aren't working. The light's not working. We didn't bring the right lens. We, oh my God, I forgot the intervalometer or whatever. You can use that as an excuse or you can go, okay, but what can I do? And, yeah, it's a, it's a mindset. I don't like to think of it as positive thinking because that makes it sound, you know, like it, it's just a choice. So, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, um, attitude's everything. You can choose to be you can choose to be happy or you can choose, you know, and and choose to be creative and choose to rise to the to the challenge or you can choose to mope. But um, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to learn to walk again by not walking um, or by moping and sitting around and hoping it gets better. 
I'm going to walk again with small winds and putting my leg on and <laughs> going out and giving it a try yeah. and falling down occasionally, you know. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I enjoy, really enjoyed our conversation before we started recording this program when, when you were touching on, you know, we're, we all miss something. We're all missing something, you know, and, we, and, and how we approach that is whether we'll be successful or not and whether you work around whatever it is we think we're missing. But, you know, in, in many cases, what we think we're missing or what we think we're lacking, we don't really need. You know, no, we no, really we don't know. at all. And, you know, everyone talks about creativity and about like, you got to think outside the box. And I'm like, no, you know, creativity is is what you do with the box. We've all got a box. And this this idea that, you know, the sky is the limit. The sky is never the limit. Um, you, there's you're going to hit lim limits way before you get to the sky. You're going to look at the box that you're given and go, OK, here's the like. Creativity needs challenge. It needs friction. It needs a problem to solve. And, you know, we're not just talking about the arts. We're not just talking about painting and poetry and photography. We're talking about engineering and, and science and how you raise your family and, you know, deal with your, your ornery teenager ways. <laughs> Those are creative challenges, right? And how you rise to them, what you do with them, if if you can learn to see from a different perspective, right? I, when I think about photography, it's it's almost like the perfect uh, model for, for life. The skills that make you a good photographer are the skills that make you, I think, uh, you know, good at life, uh, give you a rewarding, creative life. You, you need to be able to look from different angles. You need to be able to, you know, peer around corners. You need to be curious. All the things that make you a good photographer can also make you good at life. And so I, I talk for hours about creativity and stuff because I, I think that's that's it. That creativity and gratitude. If you can figure those two things out, you've got it made. You bet. You bet. And folks that are listening and watching, please visit David's website. His latest blog post has to deal with this topic uh, specifically about creativity, kind of the, the missing ingredient. And you know, David, when I read that this morning, the, the thing that really resonated with me is, is we often think about creativity solely related to the arts. But but what you what you explain in your post is, and you touched on just real briefly, is creativity has so much more to do with other things than the arts. You know, it's sure. it's problem solving. It's looking at the world around you and looking at your box in new and unique ways to either a solve a problem or b advance whatever it is you're wanting to do so it's it's perspective and problem solving and and ways of seeing the world around you and that applies to everything in all of our lives i mean you know as you said raising kids making a family getting gas in the car you know and there's a big line how do you go about solving not not impediments, but but just different situations. Yeah, well, it's you know the, the word I always come back to is constraints. We all have constraints, and it can be in photography or or anything else. There's always going to be something, and the, the problem is some people approach it like the constraints are a bad thing. Like, oh, I don't have you know a piece of gear, or, or I don't have the latest. Well you can continue to add those things. You can buy all the camera bags and fill them up with all the gear. You're still not getting 
to the point where you're thinking differently. You're still not getting to the point where you're, I mean, you have all the tools, you've added them all, but the reality is constraints are important. Otherwise, you're paralyzed by choice. I, I went to, to Italy once on a, on a workshop that I was teaching, and a guy showed up, and I, I kid you not, he had every focal length from uh, fisheye to, um, I think, to 500. He had a 500, one of those older mirrored telephoto lenses. And, yeah, and his, I, I couldn't pick up his camera bag. It was insane. I was like, are you expecting to see a bear in Venice? Like what? He had everything, and as a result, he he was so paralyzed by all of the choices. I had one camera and one lens. I don't have to work through that. I don't, I'm not busy asking what lens should I use. I'm asking what can I do with what I've got. It's very freeing. I mean, it's extremely liberating. Never mind the fact that you know I didn't have to carry a heavy backpack. So I, th- I think it's important that people realize that constraints are not the problem constraints are not a barrier to creativity constraints are necessary for creativity they're the thing that pushes it forward and always happen we're all spoiled with i mean the gear is crazy you know i mean i don't know if i remember right zoom lenses didn't even get really good till mid 90s and i think you were around a little bit before that and we used to carry you know three or four prongs with us and that was it yeah, yeah, and, and you, we know, made I, do I, with it, you know, we did. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love my gear. I'm not a, a gear freak, and I don't care what brand you use. Um, good gear creates new possibilities, 100%. There are mm-hmm. things that I can now do. I, I shoot with Sony Alpha Ones and uh, a bag of lenses, and, and the things that this camera can do, um, they create possibilities that I didn't have before. But it still mm-hmm. requires a creative mind to think, okay, now what can I do? I've got this tool. I've got these possibilities. What can I do with it? And without that without that focus on – look, I've been writing – everyone else seems to be writing about gear and all that sort of thing. It's great because it always changes, so you always got something to write about. Mm-hmm. I just I just want to write about how photographers think. Like that's it. And my publisher keeps going like, what's, so what's the new book about? I'm like, dude, it's about the same thing all my books are about how photographers think and i'm just trying to find a new way to bring people to the trough and get them some you know some water um because the gear conversation at a certain point it's like great you got all these possibilities now what are you going to do with them you know how are you going to find your voice as a photographer what are you going to say or earlier we uh, we talked about you know kind of comparing the gear to a microphone everyone wants to try out all these new microphones like that's easy anyone can buy the best microphone in the world you may st- it's still possible that you have nothing interesting to say with that microphone. Yep. What do you do? And, and I get this question a lot, um, especially, you know, for people who unlike, you know, us and have real lives <laughs> and, and, and families and have commitments and, and, and nine to five jobs. And maybe they get out once a month to, to, to shoot. And, and I find that they put a lot of, stress on themselves because they have to go out and, you know, make 10 good photographs that day. If I don't, I only get one day. You know, how how do you deal with the days? And I think I know the answer, but I want everybody to hear. How do you deal with the days when it it may not, you may not be as ultra creative as you'd like to be? It's not just not happening. 
because that, that's that's days. every that's every day, man. I you know yeah. what we we put such pressure on ourselves to so. produce and to perform and. The first job of the photographer, so the first thing I want to say is, in that case, time is one of your constraints. And that's unfortunate because time time is one of our raw materials. You need more time. So stop paying so much attention to social. Stop stop watching TV. Reorganize your calendar. That itself is a creative act. Figure out how to reclaim your time because photographers need three things. We need light, space, and time uh, and probably a camera you know, to, to record the thing. But, um, so that's the first thing I would say is that you absolutely need your time. The second is that the job of the photographer is not to use the camera. The job of the photographer is to have interesting insights into what they see, interesting perceptions to go out into the world and just watch, not just look. Cause a lot of photographers, they're looking so frantically, mm-hmm. just anything. I just need something. Mm-hmm. Give me a squirrel. I need anything to focus on it. And, uh, and then I'll fix it all in post <laughs> instead of just like going out and roll. And I get it. Cause I'm there. I'm not, I'm not judging others. I'm saying I, this is the person I, I see myself. Been there. Yeah. Of course we have, you know, because we we do love to press that shutter button. My God. Um, but the first job is to slow down and go, okay, what a, what am I seeing? Like, how, be it, and this is why I come back to curiosity. You know, if 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 you want more interesting perceptions about the world, um, you've got to be interested in the world. You've got to go out and see what it is. The, the problem with photography, especially the popular photography movement industry, whatever, is that the thing that people are interested in is their camera. And, and I don't know how you make photographs about your camera except, you know, these camera porn sites. You've got to have something beyond the camera to be interested in. Singers aren't interested in the microphone. They're interested in the bigger themes, love and betrayal and, you know, whatever nonsense that they sing about. We need something that we are interested in. And so that's what you do with that sliver of time that you have. You go and, and don't screw around with the things you're not interested in. You go and find that thing and give yourself over to it. You know, whether it's, you know, I mean, I like bears and, and you know, big things. Some people like macros and flowers and some people want to do portraits. Find a way to do only that. But if you've only got a day a month, then you, even more than me, have to really focus on what you want to do and make the time and be happy with one beautiful photograph that lights you up yeah. inside. Or, or be happy you had a nice day. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I think, I think know, adding to that, David, I think part of what I heard, or, or it's a little bit of my own filter because it's something I believe in, is is really being present in your surroundings to see stuff that's going on and and with that you have to be present with yourself what am i feeling how am i responding and reacting to what i'm seeing because there's times when i go out and let's say i have pressure on myself i'm going out to shoot streams and creeks and i get out there and i i just don't feel it it's like okay i could turn around and go home or i could sit there for a while and look around and go is there anything that is giving me energy you know, and I have to be really perceptive of myself and, and observant of the of the world around me. And you know what? I might end up spending two hours shooting macros because somehow there was some energy that was given to me at that point. And, and it's all about being, as you said, slowing down, but being 
perceptive and connected to the world around you and to yourself, what you're feeling, how you're reacting. You know, there's there's something really important in that. And, and I can't tell you how many photographers I see will show up and within five minutes, it's very clear that, the, you know, they've assessed the scene and they're like, ah, there's there's nothing here. And I am very suspicious of my first instincts because it's not just that we show up at a certain place and we kind of look around and go, okay, well, I've seen it all. Oh, no, you haven't. You need to, you need to sit your ass down and you need to watch because it's not just the place. And I often talk about it's the intersection between light, space, and time. When you sit in a place, you haven't seen it. You haven't seen what it's going to look like in five minutes. And you haven't seen what it's going to look like in five minutes through a lens of the person that has sat there for five minutes who's um, who's seen different things. You know, when you sit on a street corner for an hour, the way you perceive that street corner at the end of the hour and what you see as possibilities, way different than what you saw at the beginning. And you've got a million different moments that have come through that place. The light has changed. The, the number of intersections between light, space, and time that happen when you sit for longer and your own kind of all that internal noise, right? You get there and you're like, ah, oh, nothing's giving me energy. And, blah, blah, blah. and But you sit and you just, you watch, yeah, maybe go make macros. Maybe you come back and the macros aren't the thing. Maybe after two hours, you've been shooting macros and you've been having a blast. You've calmed down. You got into flow and then you look up and you're like, oh, my God, yeah, that's the shot. Yeah. Like it was there all the time. Or you turn around and you go, oh, my God, it's the shot is I've been here for an hour and I didn't see that. You know, well, you know it's, and I, we, John, we've had that, you know, we, we we when we do workshops together, we do three or four a year and we'll take somebody to a, lo- a group to a location and we'll say, OK, we're going to be here for an hour and a half. And if you do everything you think you need to, that you want to do in the first 10 minutes, well, then that's your issue. But we're going to be here an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And we've had people, right, John, come up and say, <laughs> you know, what? What? We, there's three other places we could go. Why, why am I? And we tell them that this is we're try, <laughs> part of what we're trying to teach you. Walk around, look around, and it'll happen just like you said, David. So. Yeah much better than I said it, but well, you need, but you're absolutely right. You need that time to, to become a more observant person in that space and for things to happen and for you to stop, you know, screwing around with all your gear and settle. And it's, I find it remarkable again that, you know, we're, we are more familiar with the BNH catalog than we are with our own psychology and our own ability just to, you know, and we sit there and we're, we're really, we're like, we're looking around like we get fidgety and, and we do want to go because we think in our minds like, oh, if I go to that other place, something amazing is going to be happening. No, it won't be. It'll be this, you, unless you miraculously show up at that moment at that other place where the light is great and the moment is happening, it's going to be the same. It's everywhere we go, we bring us with us and we're the problem. We need, to, and we're also the solution to that problem. We need to sit and slow. And uh, I would rather spend way more time in one place. I go to, when I do workshops, I do a, a series in different places around the world. And I choose my locations based on 
can I stay in that spot and never have to get on a bus, never have to go somewhere else? Because we walk and we will spend like a week in Venice. We don't go anywhere else. There's no, hey, you know, we're going to go here. We're going to go. You wake up in the morning and you go do your work and you're going to see the same place, the same, same bridges, the same canals, the same thing over and over and over again, but you're going to see them in different light. You're going to see different characters moving across them. And that first day, you're going to get bored. You're like, oh, I've seen the place. No, you haven't. Wait till the last day and you've got 12 images that thrill you. That comes from seeing, truly seeing a place. That's our job. Guy and I, Guy Tal and I, when we did our Sierra, we we, we do our workshop. And then after that, we do another one. And we, for lack of a better term, called it a master class, theoretically, for more advanced photographers. And what we would typically do is we go back to the same location probably three times. We go once, come back and look at images, talk about them, go back again. And, And it was amazing. The difference, some of them no better, no worse, but just different, different views, different stories. It was it's an amazing thing. So I'd encourage everybody to listen to what David's preaching here and go go sit in a rock for a half a morning. You know, let me let me just change real quick, David. And we touched on your books, your your books real quickly. But there's there's one. There's one book that that really resonates with me that I wanted to kind of share with the uh, with the audience, and it's it's the heart of the photograph: a hundred questions for mm-hmm. making stronger, more expressive photographs. Can you talk about that book a little bit, and you know what's the impetus for it, and what do you cover in that book? Because because that's I think at the core of what a lot of people want to do when they want to find their voice or they want to make better images. I I think your book here speaks to a lot of those challenges. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I I started that as I do almost everything in life with a question. And that question that I needed to answer was what do we, what do we respond to in a photograph? You know, we, we always, everyone talks about, Oh, it's, you know, I want to make a good photograph in this scene. And I'm like, that's not enough. Like, it's it's a terrible. If you're asking what is a good, what does that mean? It, it's a moving target, and it's in, it's incredibly useless in terms of driving decisions. But if you can ask yourself, you know, wh- what do I want this photograph to feel like? If you can, you know, and so when I was asking, like, what do we respond to in a photograph? It's it's not the histogram because the viewers of our pictures aren't going to see that. It's generally not the sharpness, although once in a while sharpness is important. It, it's more. What is it? And so things like depth, you know, you ask a photographer to talk to me about visual depth and they look at you like, you know, like you got two heads. Mm-hmm. Um Talk to me about talk to me about your use of perspective. Talk to me about and there's there are I mean I kind of I was misleading about the subject uh, in the sub um, uh, title. Oh God, what's it called? You know the the, the subtitle um, because there's way more than a hundred questions. <laughs> Those were just the start. It's it's asking yourself questions that don't have a yes no answer and seeing where they go. So how could I, for example? How could I use contrast or juxtaposition in this photograph? How could I use scale? How could I use visual depth? How could I use color? Um, How could I use story or mystery? Like, these are the things we respond to. We respond to mystery. 
well, there's no there's no mystery setting on your dial. You know, there's no like uh, time priority, aperture priority. Oh, M for mystery. Mystery. You know? I don't think that's what it stands for. You know, well, somebody, um, somebody's going to hear this, and you're, the next uh, the next Sony uh, A10 will have a mystery button on it. Hey, bring it on, um, you know, but then, the, but then the question is, okay, but how do you create mystery? You know, everyone wants to obliterate shadows. They want 20 stops of dynamic range and they want to get rid of their shadows. And I'm like, yeah, but you just, you just eliminated the mood. And so on some level, we need to be asking, actually not on some level, like fundamentally, we need to be asking what do we respond to in a photograph well, how do we create mood how do we you know this this uh this quote uh from david allen harvey you know this idea of uh don't shoot what it looks like shoot what it feels like which is great it's a perfect sound bite but how how do you do that um that these are the questions that i wanted to address in the heart of the photograph because i think if you could figure out what your photograph's not of Right. Everyone knows what their pictures of. It's, you know, it's the mountains, it's the, the bird, it's the squirrel, whatever. But what is it about? Is it a certain mood? Is it a feeling? Is there a, is there a story within that image? And not every image. Well, a story, great photograph has to have a story. No, it doesn't. There's lots of beautiful, compelling photographs that aren't about story. Uh, but if it's about story, you better understand story. And I don't know that I've ever met a photographer that I can say, okay, so tell me what the elements of story are. Why do you think this? And again, it's like, I don't really know. We need to start knowing these things. We need to know what makes a good story. We need to know what, you know, makes mystery. How do you do well, you that? Know, and a story doesn't have to be, you know, a house. I mean, a story could be green. It well, could be, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I, yeah. it could I, be, I would Yes, I, but I would say that's a, a theme for sure. I wouldn't say that's a story. Story is its own thing. Um, but what the image is about, yeah, it could be a theme or an idea or a mood. It could 100%. It could just be about the greenness of it. What we need as photographers to understand these things because at you, it's very rare that most of us, even those of us who have been doing it for years and years and years, that we pick up the camera and have this moment of grace where it's like we, we look through the lens, everything's perfect, we press the button, we don't even need to take it to Lightroom. It's perfect straight out of the camera as a JPEG. That is so rare. Most of us grieve over it and say some bad words and change our angle and ask a lot of questions having a sense of what those better questions might be, I think is really important. It, gu it guides us into better answers. It does. And I, and I think kind of the, the first question that you have written out here that kind of relates to what Jack's talking about is th that big picture question of what do I want this image to accomplish? Oh my God, if we don't know exactly. what we're doing, why we're taking this photograph, then why are we taking it? I just want likes on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. That's just fair. likes on Instagram. Well, as long as you <laughs> can articulate we... what you're doing and why you're doing it, I, I'm all for it. I may not agree with it, but sure. but as long as right. you're intentional about the, your photograph, that's that's great. Hundred percent. But if you want likes on Instagram, you better at least have an understanding of what pe what people respond to in a photograph, right? right? Like it can, otherwise. And this is why I think it's so important that we understand the difference between what a picture is of and what a photograph is about. Because you can take any photograph in the world and point it at a bear and you've got a picture of a bear. 
But if it's about more, it's, if it's about a certain feeling or a certain uh, aspect of the bear, if, is it an angry bear? Is it a happy bear? Is it a bear in relationship to its, you know, its cub? Well, it, that's what it's about. Then your optics are going to change. Your focal length will be different. Your perspective or point of view will be different. What you do in post-production, the, the, the final frame you choose in the edit also will be different. And, and I, this is not about overthinking. Sometimes you just kind of trust your gut and kind of go with it. But I think at the beginning, you got to train your gut because I know a lot of people whose guts, including my own, are full of crap. So if you don't train your instincts, if you don't at least start asking these questions, I, I don't know how you can make a meaningful photograph that is truly actually about something more than it is of, right? Because it doesn't take anything to point your camera. But beyond that, then we start when we start having to make decisions. Then it's like, okay, but I, what a what an opportunity to be able to do. And you've all experienced this. You go to a workshop and you're standing side by side someone, and you're making photographs. And later you look at his picture and you're like, where the heck did you take that? Yeah, like I didn't I even see that. Right. Yep. And and that's that's one of the magic things to me is you you can be in a place and both have completely different perceptions. And one person is like focused on the macro and the other shooting like a, a master landscape, you know, it, it, there is so much opportunity for uh, individuality in all of this stuff. I'm just suggesting that there are, so there's no formula, but asking better questions gets us because the creative, the core creative question is always, what if, what if I do this? What if I do this? And as you combine that with, Oh, but I like this better. Oh, yeah, I like that, you know. And you get closer and closer to something that's meaningful and is not just sharp and well exposed. Whether you get the likes on Instagram or not, that's another thing. But at least we're getting closer to to if you respond to the thing in the photograph, if you respond to the mystery or the mood or the story, there's a good chance someone else out there is going to respond. I'm to sure it. that we won't we won't name names here because I don't, I don't want to get into that, but. I mean, and John can do it. You could do it. I could do it. Anybody who's been doing what we've been doing for as long as we've been doing it could name. I can name you the workshop clients. And there aren't many of them, but there's a couple dozen who are not technically as advanced as some of the other people that I that I, I I've had. Man, their images are just so great because they're yep. doing exactly what you just said. They're 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 doing they're doing they're thinking just the way you just so greatly expressed it. I mean, they're not technical mavens, but no. they're creators. No, and I would argue that I'm not a technical maven either. I Me know neither. my craft. No. You know, I, I I know how to work the tools. But my God, you start talking about, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I hear photographers talking about like, uh, what was the one I heard the other day? Focus breathing. And I just went, oh, you lost me. <laughs> I, I'm sure somewhere out there someone's I've going, heard that what? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like there's some, there's some oh, yeah. nutty stuff out there, which in scientifically, technically, great. <laughs> but you do not, there's a, actually a very minimal amount of skill you need to accomplish to make a, a, a a photograph. Well, of course. They're, they're really, I mean, I started with a Pentax Spotmatic that had like, uh, if you minus, if you take away the self timer, it had like a dial for shutter. You could change the ISO. It had an aperture ring and you could focus. 
there was from that, from just from those, there was an infinite amount of creative decisions you could make. But it didn't take too long before you figured out how to expose your sensor, how to focus it. And then from there, it was like, okay, what can I do with these basic tools? My Sony A1, I don't even know how many buttons it has, but it's got this, like the menus. I, it's just, I don't know what half of the half. I don't know what most of the menu items right, are. Right. I just scroll through them and go, God, I hope someone at Sony knows what this is. And someone out there needs it, but I don't, you know? Right. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. It kind of it kind of to summarize a little bit of this. It it's that old sort of saying: Are you a camera owner or a uh, an artist? Are you a photographer or an artist? And there's there's a difference between the two. It, huge, and, and a lot of people are not comfortable with the the word artist, and, and and I'm I'm totally fine with that. But there is a question: Do you know how to use a camera, or do you know how to make a photograph? Like. There's a lot of people that know everything about a guitar, but they know nothing about music itself or or what people respond to in a song. They don't even really have a sense of what their own voice is. These are different, very different things. One, I think, is fairly easily learned. It's maybe you're not ever going to master the guitar, but you know what? Three chords and a truth, you can go a long way with that. And I would argue the same with the, the, the camera. You know, get the basics. But don't wait until you've mastered it. That point way down the road when you're like, I've got it all figured out. Now I'll start looking for my voice as a photographer. Right. Now I'll start playing around with some of the creative possibilities. What a long way to go before you, you know, and I think if I could say anything, I mean, I'm a big fan of the amateurs. I'm so tired of people saying, oh, I'm not a real photographer because I'm not a pro. Look, no Olympic athlete has ever what's said, a, you know, I'm not a What's well, exactly. They, exactly. And so if we can kind of avoid these labels, the thing that I most want for photographers is creative freedom. I want them to forget the labels. I want them to forget the obligation and the what lens should I use for this. And I, I mean, so much of it. And then the rules and just pick up the camera, figure out the basics and go see what you can do with it. See what it can accomplish in your hands, because what you do with it will be very different than what I do with it. And we need your voice. We need people out there going, this is how I see the world. Um, not try. I, I, no one needs another David Dushman. I just, there's one. I am more than enough. Um, sometimes not, <laughs> not, not, you know, not enough. But uh, I'm working through that. Uh, you Books. Are you in the middle of anything new or are you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm writing a new one. Um, it's I having I, so I, I have kind of glommed onto this idea of light, space, and time. And I'm not sure if my publisher wants me to give it away, but um, yeah, my my new book I'm working on is called Light, Space, and Time, and it's uh, essays about creativity and camera craft. Um, just talking about you know what it takes to be. There's lots of books out there about creativity, but they're general. I want to kind of look at it from the perspective of of a photographer. And give photographers some encouragement and freedom to uh, to kind of wrestle with the creative stuff, uh, and to know that you're not alone when you find it hard because it is hard. It's it's not easy by Damn nature. Hard. Creativity is we are working in the unknown because if you're working to to just make the same photograph you've made before, you don't need creativity. You just need a formula. Um, so, yeah, it's and it will feature my wildlife work, which I haven't published in book form as I've sort of evolved as a photographer. So that's kind of my big effort right now. And that and just 
you know, getting back on my, on my feet, so to speak. Um, that's, that's the, the next big kind of challenge, I think. And you're going to be trying to do some traveling. Yeah. In, yeah. In I've, I've, I've got a bear trip in September that I'm doing. So I'll spend a week with grizzly bears in, uh, here in British Columbia and, uh, uh, end of September, uh, beginning of October, and then uh, another bit of a break to kind of you know fine tune things. And then in January, I had uh, I always spend a month in Kenya um, on safari, so I'll be there January, February, and then I'm not sure. I'll probably start photographing uh, wolves here on Vancouver Island. There's uh, there's a population of wolves that I'd like to photograph, and and then it's time to get on a plane again. I, I you know other than Kenya, I'd I'd like to get back to Venice. I'd like to, I'm desperate to get back to, I like dusty adventures. I want to go back to India. Um, I have an idea for a workshop where it's just one camera, one lens, and we, we go and photograph kind of more intimately in, in a small town in India. Um, but oh yeah, I'm still trying to kind of figure that out. I, I, uh, I, I need to get walking and feel like this is not going to be a, you know, too big a challenge before, uh, I start, actually booking flights because once you start doing that and you start taking deposits for trips and inviting people there's there's uh, no graceful way to back out of it yeah no that's that's true but pe- people can go to your website that you'll keep updated and i would really uh john and i get comments all the time like well you guys run workshops why, why are you telling people to take workshops with other people well, obviously, so they could learn, and I would yeah. strongly encourage people to to spend some time with uh, on David's website, read his blog. Uh, how this all happened, uh, David? You don't even know this. I forgot to tell you, but I had a dear friend send me a an email uh, the other morning about your latest article, and uh, and said, "Boy, you ought to read this from this guy." And he he didn't know that you know we, you know we whether we know each other you know intimately or not we all know about each other and we all mm-hmm. have some kind of synergy here and that, that prompted me to call you and ask you to come on with us here today and that article is uh, I think John will agree is is one of the formative pieces of writing it's kind of a, you could read it in about 15 minutes but read it three times yeah it's, it's foundational of, i think foundational for all that we're trying John, to do just come up with the right word that's why that's why i keep <laughs> peterson around he, he comes up with the right words and, and runs so, a great podcast so folks um just because we're uh we'll start to slowly wrap this up but just to reinforce what jack said please go out and visit david's website Sign up for his newsletter, always full of great stuff. That comes out, what, once every couple of weeks, David, I think? Yeah, it's, it's normally say every two weeks. Lately, with the amputation and stuff, I've been, you know, i got so many people pulling for me that I've, I've had a few more regular updates. Um, but if you go to, yeah, you certainly go to my website, davidduchiman.com. From there, you can go, you can see my work and, and that sort of thing. Um, we'll put up a, a show notes here on, the, on, yeah. the, on our, so people yeah, great. can click and get there. It, it the most so most people find because nobody goes to blogs anymore. I mean, you got to remember to go see it. And so, if you go to my contact sheet, con- the contact sheet is what I call my my email. Uh, if you go to mycontactsheet.com, there's an easy way just to to sign up. Of course, you can always unsubscribe. Uh, but that's that's my 
you know, everyone's got a newsletter. I don't have a newsletter. I send out um, a significant, I, I hope, <laughs> a significant piece of writing that will uh, make people's lives better, that will help them think in stronger ways as photographers and creative human beings. Um, yes, I also put it on the blog, but if you just want it delivered straight to your inbox every two weeks. Uh, and then, of course, that's, I, w I almost never advertise my workshops, my courses. Um, that always goes through email. Um, so if you want to, you know, be first to know about those opportunities, um, I would absolutely welcome you to, yeah. to join mycontactsheet.com and I'll start sending it to you. Outstanding. Well, David, uh, you know, be, be first, thank you for being here. You're Second, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for your inspiration. And, uh, you know, and I'm not just saying this because David's here, but I have read the books and, 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 you know, there are a few people, maybe a dozen photographers that I have been inspired by. And David is, is, uh, right, right up there. Um, I still Thank think you. we ought to try to get a bunch of us on, maybe get on you and Guy and Michael and, you know, a few of us who have this passion to teach creativity, if it can be done, you know, um, it's just so important. But thank you for being here. Uh, John, anything yeah. uh, that I'm leaving out here? No, no, nothing else. Just a call out for those folks listening. We're still doing our image critiques uh, every now and again. So if you have any images you would like to submit to us, send it to wetalkphoto at gmail.com. Um, we'll get them up on the next uh, next uh, YouTube image critique that we do. Yeah, so with that, David, thank David you. It's back. been a pleasure. I mean, I could talk about creativity and all of this stuff for hours. but uh, well, We'll get David back. I, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, we'll get you back. I, I can't believe the time went so fast. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, you, so, you when the time is right, you guys give me a call. I'd love to be back again. We'll be there. We'll David, be. we're going to sign off here. Don't you leave. Okay. We'll, start off. we'll, we'll say goodbye. Um, anyhow, folks, thank you again. We talk photo.com at Gmail. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.